We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Plugge with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. I am Megan Weiskup with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. Over the last couple of months, we've talked to some amazing ladies. They're really passionate about their interests and have been willing to share insight into their personal story, whether it be target shooting, shed hunting, teaching youth shooting sports, bow fishing, small game hunting, or even reliving their first hunt. Our podcast guests have let you into a sliver of their personal story. All of these stories come from a different angle. Some were introduced to the outdoors at a young age, some found solitude later in life. Some were vegetarians. Some were the largest meat eaters and carnivores you've ever met. Some were teachers and some were learners, but they're all proud to say that they're women who love the outdoors. And today's guest is no different. And I personally am so excited uh, to introduce to our listeners, our guest today, Karen Holder. So Karen is the co-owner of Raised Hunting, raised at full draw and raised outdoors. You can see a pattern here, I'm sure. Karen is first and foremost a, a follower of Jesus Christ, a devoted wife, mother, friend, hunter. She has a business background as a financial advisor and has helped serve the business as well as navigate outdoor entertainment world. But at the end of the day, Karen loves hunting with her husband, her two sons, Warren and Easton, and her third son, Old Dan, who is the family's English lab. And I can say that I've been lucky enough to meet Old Dan, and he is adorable. Through their hunting, they inspire and encourage other women to get outdoors and experience the challenge and life lessons that hunting does provide. Karen has over two decades of archery hunting experience and over 60 big game harvests. That's an incredible number. Karen believes that every hunt is a new experience, a new memory, and an opportunity to serve her family the most organic meat available. I would love to introduce Karen. It's so good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's uh, pretty awesome having that third son, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> he oh. Y'all busy. There's no question. No, he's awesome. <laughs> so Megan and I have been fortunate enough to have gotten to know you and your family uh, through various partnerships over the last few years. We have you join you at one of our Becoming an Outdoor Woman workshops and, and your personal story really stuck uh, to both of us. And I think there's many of our listeners out there that can really relate to you. Um, and they may not have had the opportunity to hunt and fish with their family growing up. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your story? Sure, I'd love to. I grew up inside the Beltway. And so what a lot of people, a lot of people are like, well, what's the Beltway? Well, Washington, D.C. Um, is the area where I grew up. Okay. And there's a uh, 495 is the highway that goes around um, Washington, D.C. and carries into the Baltimore area and that type of thing. So I grew up inside that circle, which means it was basically the city, millions and millions of people, not hunting land, none of that kind of stuff. And so that is where 
actually David grew up inside the Beltway as well. So that particular lifestyle and culture was, you know, the city lifestyle, the city culture. And I was definitely exposed to that. But on the weekends, my family had a, a country or a mountain cottage, if you can even call it a cottage. It had no running water. We had an outhouse. We had, I mean, we would, we took, I remember as a little kid, when we took baths, we stood in a little um, tub and my mom had water in it and we would take a sponge bath. I mean, that that's how, that's how we took a bath. And so weekends and vacations, that's where we went, you know, the, so I grew up loving the outdoors, fishing, gardening, riding motorcycles, um, you know, that all the tomboy type stuff. I mean, that's what we did. We played badminton, we grilled out, we, you know, we just, all of those things. And I learned to love nature at a very early age because, I mean, I remember sitting on a bridge with my feet dangling over it and just listening to the, the creek trickle underneath. And I just, I loved that. And I, I, every time, every weekend I would go and my sister and I would sit on that bridge and just watch the the water go and look at the fish and all that kind of stuff. With that being said, my hunting experience was more of as an observer than it was as a participant. And so what I mean by that is during, during that time period, girls didn't hunt and it, it's, it was just the generation. And it just was something that not that it just wasn't thought of, I guess is, is the way to put it. And so my brother hunted with my dad, but the girls did not hunt. We learned to shoot our guns and those kinds of things, but actually going deer hunting, going squirrel hunting, rabbit hunting, or any of those kinds of things, you just weren't included. You know, basically it was just, wasn't even a thought you, you were not included. You know, we would wait for the guys to get back. And when they harvested something, you know, I was the one that would hold the deer's leg while they were field dressing the, and I was so proud of myself that I was able to hold the leg while they field dressed an animal. So for me, it's just been a part of my culture. And it's also been a part of my nutrition because we ate everything that my father or my brother killed. And so being raised on squirrel, rabbit, deer, um, fish, you know, th those were the things that nourished our family. And it, and we really, I'm not going to say that we were poor, but um, there was six of us in our family and my father was a construction worker. My mom did not work at that particular time because she had to take care of us kids. So my dad would get laid off many times in the wintertime. And so we, you know, we watched what our expenses were and we would, you know, we needed the deer meat and the what we harvested in order to sustain ourselves. That's where I learned to love the outdoors and have a real respect for it and just knew in my heart that that's, you know, eventually where I would end up living at least. Didn't think I'd be ending up where I am now, but <laughs> I'm glad I am where I am now. So everything, every there's a step for everything. So. And you said your husband is from that area as well? Yes, yes, okay. I met, so David and I met when I was 13 which is crazy. I have known him for so long and we were just friends. We were friends for several, several years. And then, um, then we started dating. So he lived, he lived inside the beltway as well. And he actually, when I was 13, he moved, um, like five houses away from me. 
So he was really, his family was close to ours. We went to the same high school. And so we became really good friends. And um, I'll tell on him because he asked me out for four years before I would go out with him. And uh, I made him work for it because he's a very handsome, good looking guy. And all the girls wanted to date him. And so I was like, nope, I'm not going to date you. And so I didn't. You know, made the I, heart stronger, right? I, I tell you what, it made him like, you know, for the hunt. He had he to. Was, it, this was yeah. the hunt. I had he no idea what I was doing, and I realized now that you know he loves a challenge and he loves a chess game. Well, I gave him a chess game for sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like maybe that was the the hunt of his lifetime, right I there, right? So I think so. But we when we started dating, David, he he was always. Um, his family was kind of like ours where they would go on weekend hunts and those kinds of things. But when we started dating, he had gotten into wanting to try to archery hunt. He had gotten into shooting a bow. And so I would go with him and just watch him shoot. And he's, David is completely self-taught. I mean, again, we didn't have money. We didn't have equipment. We didn't have any of these things. And so we would go, to, to drive around and find archery shops, you know, watch people shoot and that kind of thing. And then he finally um, purchased a bow and, you know, was just super excited when he hit the target. I mean, he just was, you know, very excited. And so as he, as we, he started to hunt, I went with him because um, I was interested in what he was doing, but I also figured out that he was going to be hunting a lot. And if I did not go with him, I was not going to see him. You know, I was like, okay, I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to be left out of this. So I'm going to go with him. And thank goodness he wanted me to go with him. A lot of guys, again, like I said, at that time, women weren't necessarily included in hunting camp, but David was more interested in me going with him and hunting with me, spending the time with me than he was with going with the guys, so to speak. And so, um, and, and I could see at that time he was taking things to a different level. It wasn't just the weekend hunt for him anymore. When you get into archery, there's a lot more practice involved and there's a lot more time and study involved in um, where to find the animals and how to get close to them and, you know, not being detected and all of those kinds of things to learn. And so I realized very quickly that if I was going to spend time with him, I'd better go with him. And so that's how it really started for me to start hunting and uh, fell in love with it. You know, I already had the background, so um, loved it and enjoyed it myself. You kind of mentioned growing up in the Beltway and, and I've heard you reference it before, but talking about putting your face on, I wondering if you could go a little bit more into that. Um, I think it's just a a really insightful and interesting um, take on things. What I mean, you know, I mentioned growing up inside the Beltway. What that means is I grew up in the city. I grew up in a place where it was, um, you know, a a professional standard. You know, when you went to work and those kinds of things, you, you put your face on. My mom always taught us that before you go out of the house, you you know, make sure she could not stand. She could not stand it when our fingernails had chips in the paint. I mean, even as a young girl, it was like, if you have a chip in your fingernail polish, get it all off and start again. So, I mean, it was, she wasn't mean about it or anything. It was just a standard that it looked trashy. And her, her opinion was it looks 
unclassy, unladylike and trashy. So take it all off and start again. And so I learned at a very early age that, um, you know, you presented yourself in a certain way when you left the house and, and actually, you know, even on a daily basis, I do this now, even if I'm going to be at home all day, I usually wear my cosmetics or put my makeup on because it's just part of my day. It's who I am and it's what I do. And it's like getting dressed in the morning. So that was the standard that was part of what we did and who we were. And, uh, it was a way of also, um, it's like, you know, putting on your business suit, you know, you're put, putting on your, your cosmetics for the day. As I entered the hunting world, um, I still wore my cosmetics. I still put my makeup on every day, those kinds of things. And one of the reasons why I do that is because of the protection layer. Um, and, and I think a lot of people don't understand that, but makeup, foundation, skincare actually protects your skin and when you're out in the elements in the harsh wind or the just the different pollutants that are out there or the heat or you know the the weather itself can wreak havoc on your skin and so for me wearing a a protecting foundation um helps me to protect my skin from those elements okay from all of that wind and everything the guys will come in from We'll come in from a, an all day sit where the wind's been blowing in our face all day and their face is all red and, um, you know, just raw looking and mine is perfectly fine because I had that layer of protection on there. And so that helps with just your, your overall comfort for one thing, but then also it helps age a little bit more gracefully. Karen, I know where you're, you're, you know, going into and completely agree, at least on that face care for sure, because when I was young and dumb in my teenage days, I'd go out, you know, on the farm, cut thistles and thought it would be really fun to not wear any skincare. And that's how I'm going to get my tan. Um, it fried my face many times. And today, slowly moving into my 40s, I'm going to say slowly, I have skin damage because of that, you know, mm -hmm. the, that young and dumb age. And so today I smother my face in skincare product for that same reason is because now I'm trying to recover what I did in my, those days and and also live on the farm in these given days that we're recording this right now it's negative blowout and that wind blown and again I can see the differences in my face when I put that skincare on versus the gentlemen that don't and right. their faces wind burn. So yeah, right. right there. And, you know, going back to putting your face on, you know, this conversation that Rachel and I had prior to, and this is where we came up with this episode is in, and we may jump on our, our soapboxes right now that, and I think it's okay that there are posts out there in social media that, make female hunters not perceive what we are. Uh, that focus of that imagery is a little bit different as far as the photo more focuses on them and how they look. And Karen, you're telling us this, you, you raise, you're raised that way. That's the way you are, but that's not your center. You're, you're out there for the hunt. You're not out there to take a picture of me. 
and if that makes sense. Whereas some of those social media posts that is, I'm a female, I have, this is the way I look, and they're trying to draw the picture to you. And so that's where, you know, where the focus of this episode is, is, yeah, you're, you're a hunter, you wear your makeup, but it's the way you were grew up. This is who you are. And for that, that face protection. I love that we're talking about that. I may offend somebody. I hope not, but here's, here's the way I look at it. So, um, so, so the very first thing I want to address here is that all of us ladies need to stick together. Okay. We're, we're all in this together. And I think that we all want the respect that we feel like we deserve if we deserve anything in this world, because I mean, everything is a gift to us. And, um, but we don't want to be unnecessarily treated unfairly. So how we represent ourselves and how we put ourselves out there to the public represents all women, not just yourself. And so I think that we have to be very careful about that. And we have to, to, be aware of that because in my certain circumstance, um, when, when people are harsh to me and, and are saying um, things in regards to you're not a real hunter or you shot that deer, you better drag it out or you shot that deer, you better gut it. Well, did they say that to my son? No, they did not say that to my son. Why would you say that to a woman? Because you're saying it to a woman because you don't have respect for us being here in this industry. And part of that is because of what we've done to it. Wearing makeup, representing yourself in a professional manner, um, you know, you, you get beat up about it. People don't take you serious. They think, oh, you're just out here in order to have people look at you in order to get attention. I do believe that men or or the general public can discern the woman who is actually hunting and the one that is not the one I do have. To, I think we need to give them the credit. Um, the hard part about that is that, that the one that is posing is getting so much attention. Okay. But what we have to realize is they're getting attention for their assets. I mean, you know what I mean? It's not necessarily not wearing your bikini or your lingerie because you are not gonna get poison ivy all over your private parts. You are not gonna get bugs bitten you all over the place. You are not, I mean, if you are a hunter, you are not gonna wear anything that is gonna allow any skin to get eaten up by these things, okay? And so it's just fake, it's, it's plain old fake. And, um, and it does a massive disservice to us. And so people have said to me, well, you wear makeup when you're working, you're, when you're hunting, you're not a real hunter. My makeup has never jumped off my eyeball and caused me to miss a shot. Never, ever. My eyeliner has always stayed where it's supposed to be. If I've missed a shot on an animal, it's because I missed a shot on the animal. I didn't hit it right. It's my fault. It's not my eyeliner's fault. It had nothing to do with it. Okay. And so, um, so for that to be even an issue on a real female hunter is, um, absurd in my opinion. I think that if a woman wants to wear makeup, wear it. There's stuff out there that is scent free. I was just going to ask that, Karen. I was just going to ask because 
I mean, there are there are makeup and there's I mean, and you smell a lot of skincare does have a scent to it. So I am, you know, I am curious, what do you wear that, mm -hmm. especially when you're deer hunting that doesn't have a scent to it? And I guess you could say at that point that maybe it would you would miss the shot because they could smell it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wear a product that is scent free and is long wearing and stay proof. Okay. And so, um, so like my lipstick that I have on today, it'll stay there all day long. I don't, I mean, it's like, I can go like this and nothing happens to it. So if it, you know, and in my world, I have a camera in my face all the time. I want something on to, you know, and I want it to stay there, but it doesn't smell, it doesn't smear. It doesn't get all over my clothes, none of those kinds of things. And, um, and the, the product I use, the name of it is Senegens. And if you want more information about that, I'm actually you, a distributor of it. So sorry. I know where you. <laughs> so you know about it. So it doesn't smell or any of that stuff as far as its cosmetics. Some of the skincare has some scent to it, but during like deer hunting season, what I'll do is I'll just wear a scent-free, um, a scent-free uh, lotion, you know, and I'll I'll put that on before I go out, and then I put on foundation, which has skincare properties in it. So it's still treating my skin, but it's not, doesn't smell. Okay. And then that's not wearing off on my vest or anything else. It's great product. Great product. I distribute it too. So either one of us, we can hook you up. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, it's just, it's a great opportunity and it's good stuff. Um, but I have seen other things out there as well. So if you, if you are looking for something to wear, look for something long wearing and scent free. Okay. But, but the guys will tell you, you can't wear makeup because it's, you're going to smell well. And also if you're doing the other things that for deer hunting specifically or elk hunting, like you're washing your clothes or you're using ozone or you're bathing and hunting scent, um, whatever, you know, whatever you guys use, I, I'll tell you, I don't even, I don't use like dead downwind or any of that stuff. We just use a non, no scent soap, but we use ozone. Okay. And so we have ozonics in the tree, which is an ozone layer that goes, oh, you know, goes over top of the tree and floats down. So it's kind of creates a barrier to where the, the deer don't smell you. Okay. And so there, there's a lot to it. There's definitely a lot to it, but your cosmetics or your skincare isn't going to make or break your hunt. Don't be spraying on your bath and body work stuff or none of that kind of thing, unless it's earth scent, but yeah, I don't think Bath and Body Works sells a dirt yeah. smell. <laughs> I don't think so. They're, they're known for the scents. Karen, I think you touch on a great point, right? Yeah. At, at the end of the day, there aren't enough women in general hunting. And so mm -hmm. to then segment out parts of our community, I, I think we're doing a as you mentioned, a disservice to everyone. Um, we, we all have our backgrounds. We all have our reasons why we do things. And and I, I love that that you know, your getting ready process is, you know, my grandma always put her face on. It, it's something you do. And Julie and I do it. It just looks different, right? It looks different for every person. Mm -hmm. I put a stocking cap on and that's me getting ready to face the world, right? Like whatever you need to do to prepare yourself to get out the door in the morning. We kind of mentioned it a little bit. You're the co-owner of Raised Hunting. I want to go a little bit into that. Like, Okay. For our listeners that aren't aware, like you kind of mentioned that you have a camera in your face often. Um, 
what is raised hunting? If, if you okay. can bring that to our listeners' uh, purview. Sure. And I'll, I'll make one more comment on that, getting, you know, putting your face on and getting ready for the day, whatever that looks like for each individual, that's perfectly fine. But what we're actually saying there is you're putting your confidence on. Okay. It's your confidence. And that, that, that confidence is what, whatever it is for you, that's what you have to make sure get like there, you know, get your mind, right. Get your face on, get your stocking head on, whatever it is. It's, it's that get your confidence on that. That's what it is. And so I just wanted to kind of mention that. And um, so raised hunting, um, raised hunting is our television show that our family founded back in 2000. The, the first year we aired was 2014. We have just completed seven full seasons of airing. And we're, uh, I know it's amazing. It's kind of crazy to say this, but we're filming our eighth season. I don't think I ever thought we would be filming eight seasons. I, I don't know when this started, I didn't know where it was going to take us. And as a matter of fact, we thought it was either going to go or it was going to completely bomb because our vision for a television show, actually, we didn't even want a television show that, which this is very interesting because what we wanted to do was we, we wanted, we, by me and my husband, we wanted to help educate people so that they could learn how to get out there. Their families could learn how to get out there and be successful themselves because we have years and years and years of experience and mistakes behind us. And we wanted to try to help others not make the stupid mistakes that we've made. We've made it. I mean, that's how we teach is from what we've done. That was completely a mess up. And so if we can save somebody else from doing that, we wanted to do that. So we, um, but we didn't necessarily know how to do it. So our main goal was the education. And so we created a website, but we didn't know how to fund it. I mean, it seems so crazy to be talking about this stuff now because you don't know, no, there's so many different ways to fund things, but we didn't have any idea how to pay for what we were putting on the website. And so we decided that we needed to have a television show to sell advertising in order to pay for our website. That was going to be the educational part, portion of what we were trying to share. The thing that is different about raised hunting is raised hunting is who people are. It, it's who you are. It's not about us. It's about you. You know, people are raised fishing or they're raised biking or hiking or hunting, you know, whatever it is, they're raised doing it. So we wanted to be able to share that aspect and let people identify with being raised hunting. But we also wanted to take the life lessons that we've learned that are life lessons that we actually learned through the outdoors. So let me give you an example, because that might sound kind of confusing. Many times when you hunt, you have to find a place to hunt. Obviously, everybody needs a place to hunt. So we started out, we didn't own any land. We didn't have any place to go. So we went knocking on doors. Okay. We went asking permission from local farmers, wherever it is we were, we went knocking on doors, introducing ourselves and asking for permission to hunt. Well, the skill that you're learning there is learning to knock on a door and respectfully ask a, introduce yourself, ask 
a farmer or a landowner if they would allow any kind of hunting. And primarily in our case, we were archery hunting. So a lot of the time that was more easily accepted than if we were using firearms. So I think it's very important to make sure that you are very specific to the landowner on what you're going to be doing. Okay. And that you have the safety behind you and you have education behind you. But so that was a, that was a life lesson that we're learning. You're you're shaking hands. I've always been very big on looking people eyeball to eyeball firmly. And and as a woman, um, one of the best compliments I get all the time is, boy, you have a firm handshake. Okay. And it's just, I, I always have, and it's another show of confidence, but you shake their hand and you look them in the eye. And that is telling that person that you are, you're an honest person and you're here to talk to them directly. And so taught that to our boys. Well, our boys at a very young age, were going and getting permission. So the very first episode of Raised Hunting is showing that we had relocated from Montana to Iowa, had no place to hunt, and Warren and Easton at age 12 and 16 went around the whole area and introduced themselves to farmers. We still have permission to hunt on those places today. So we tie those. So in the show, our goal is, is we tie a life lesson to a hunting message. We marry those things together. So it's not about the kill. It's about the message or the process, or what did we learn, you know, in order to accomplish this? Where can our listeners find your show and, you know, past episodes or how can they catch up with all? With Absolutely. The show? I would love to share that. So past episodes, um, there's two places that you can find it. The very easiest place to find it is we have Raised Outdoors. So that's one of our other companies. Um, Raised Outdoors is a mobile app that houses every season of Raised Hunting on it. When you become a, a member of Raised Outdoors, it's $4.99 a month. Okay, but you have seven seasons of Raised Hunting that you can watch in addition to the entertainment piece. When you get involved in hunting, it's, it's expensive. Okay. And you also need to learn a lot. Okay. So in the app, we have partner deals with manufacturers across the whole hunting industry that give special discounts to raised outdoors members. So you buy one thing and you're going to get your $4 and 99 cents back. It's not going to, the app really costs you nothing. It's a huge value to have those discounts. And then the third piece of it is the education piece. So let's say you want to hunt spring turkeys this year. Okay. You can go into the app and you can hit turkeys and it's going to tell you from step one all the way down to step whatever, but anybody, anybody can, you know, you have to go through your hunter education first. And then you can, you know, you go through hunter education. And most of the time that we just don't have time enough in that course to teach everything that needs to be taught. I mean, that's years and years and years and years of experience. So you go to Raised Outdoors app and now you have your, your now what do I do? Okay. And we have elk hunting, antelope hunting, whitetail hunting, turkey hunting, bear hunting, um, you know, you fishing, you know, you, you name it. The Raised Outdoors was the next piece of Raised Hunting. Ra- raised Hunting is our way of reaching millions of people. It's that big emotional story that really tells 
what this lifestyle and culture is about, okay? And raised outdoors is the educational piece that helps you move and also reaches that any demographic, but also the ones that, are, you know, us that we're using our phones all the time. So it reaches them as well. So those two pieces of, of our company. Raised Outdoors app, you just go to the app store, download the app, and then you subscribe. So that's what you get on there. You could order DVDs from our Raised Hunting store if anyone still has a DVD player, which a lot of people do, but that's only season one through five. We air quarter three and quarter four every year on Outdoor Channel. Okay. We can post those links on our Facebook page when we... Um... I will because when we, yeah, when this podcast goes live on our Facebook page, we'll definitely connect and link those, your links to that for an easy access. Okay. I kind of call our business like a three-legged stool. (laughs) That's okay. Anymore. I think that's what makes it successful is you just have to reach those different segues of the market. Um, How does your sons feel about uh, the show and uh, the famous or, you know, What's their perspectives of moving forward with the show? And do you see them even taking on the show moving forward? That's a great question. The boys don't consider themselves famous. Our entire family has never liked that word. You know, we've we've never done this. Like I said, we didn't want a television show. We just want to help people. And so Warren and Easton um, have, have definitely enjoyed a ton of benefits of, um, of having a television show because they have experienced things and learned things that, you know, they, they've had to help us create a business. So they've learned the mindset of you. We didn't have a recipe in order to create this. We just had a vision and you create it every day. And so they've learned to problem solve. They've learned that they have to wear every hat within the industry, within the business um, those kinds of things. What has come along with it, some of the benefits is they know a lot of people, they have a lot of connections, they're able to help a lot of people, but they, they've they never liked, they just don't eat up being in the spotlight, if you know what I'm saying. It's just, you know, it's not, that's not important to them. Helping people is what's important to them. Moving forward, Warren is the one who is in head of, uh, in charge basically of Raised Outdoors. He built the app. It was really his, it's kind of his baby. So he'll be um, continuing to do that. And Easton, um, Easton, it helps us with all kinds of things. So as far as, you know, what he's going to do, I'm not sure what he'll do. He's 20. I mean, he's going to be a young kid, you know, (laughs) doing what he does. So, but he, I mean, he hunts with us still. He, helps us at, you know, he helps me with a bunch of media stuff and everything else. It's pretty awesome. Karen, you kind of hit on it, but personally, what I think, what I've enjoyed the most um, from the show, from getting to know you guys is just the groundedness you bring. You guys all, all are there because you love something, but you also want to share that passion. You want to share that enjoyment. You want to share that knowledge that you have in probably the most unpresumptuous way I've I've ever experienced and it's just genuine um, interest in sharing which is is so cool I I think a lot of us 
you know, turn on the TV and we see XYZ famous person and they're, they're at this like level way above us that we can't even attain. You guys are real. You're, you're people, you live in a community, you're, you're into that community, you support that community. And you also happen to be on TV. It's like this like secondary thing. And, and I think that's so cool and so relatable um, on a personal level. Thank you. We don't um, think we're anything special. That's for sure. Well, I, I also want to get into um, a couple other things that, that the raised hunting, raised outdoors, mm-hmm. raised family, if you will, uh, kind of overseas. And, and those are your raised at full draw camps and your women's empowerment camps. Um, you, you mentioned a little bit about the interest in, in the kind of personal drive to share um, knowledge and experience. And I think they really come out in those camps and workshops. So I, I want to throw you the stage to, to talk about those a little bit. Okay, that's great. Um, Raised at Full Draw is our nonprofit. And that's, that's the third leg of the three-legged stool. And so we created Raised at Full Draw because that is actually the hands-on education. So as I mentioned, Raised Outdoors is the online education. Well, what we want to do is be able to physically see and help people learn. And so that, that if they know how to do these skills and can try them and learn them in a safe environment, then they'll feel more confident going and doing it on their own. Okay. Because actually, I mean, we have to face it that one of the biggest reasons why hunting is hard to get into is because there is a lot to learn. People get really discouraged when they are sitting day after day after day after day and not seeing a deer or year after year and not even seeing an animal. They get discouraged and a lot of it could just be where they're sitting or how they walked in or not paying attention to the wind and all of these different things. And so our camps, we have our youth camp, which is designed for age 12 to 17. And we offer camp, it's a three night camp and four days. And it is going through, basically we are following the, or the National Bow Hunter Education Curriculum. And we have broke it out into stations so that we break the kids up into smaller groups. And we have instructors and they go through each station throughout the weekend. Um, no phones. Phones are, are like taken at the door when they sign in. We do let them, because phones have cameras, we do let them have their phone like one evening just to check in with mom or whatever. But it's amazing to me. We, we thought that that was going to be a massive hiccup. We, we thought that, but it's not. They, I think they love having their phone taken from them. It's, you know, it's a chance. And I love that. I mean, one of the reasons I love going to the tree stand is the phone just goes in the pocket. Most of the time with us, we have to do some promotional type stuff. So it comes out, but I would really love to just throw it in the Creek when I'm hunting, because I don't want to answer my phone or even have anything to do with it. So at any rate, that's the, the youth um, program is four days, three nights, I, I don't know the cost of it right now, but you can register. There's six different States that we have these camps. So we're expanding, we're growing. We started with one camp in Iowa, Rachel, you were there that first year we started and, and um, I think we had 17 kids or something. We take 50 
50 kids and we keep it. We could have way more than that. We always have a waiting list every year, but we keep it at 50 because we want to give them that attention. We want to give them that one-on-one time to really get their bows sighted in and to problem solve any issues that they might be having with shooting. And each of them have an opportunity to actually set up a tree stand. All of those things by them actually doing them helps them to go be successful. And we have tons every year, we get tons and tons of pictures of our previous campers that have been successful harvesting an animal on their own. So it's, that's awesome. That's, that's working. We, we're, we are actually turning people into hunters. We are converting them. So that's the kids camp. And then we started women's empowerment camps three or four years ago. And that is, it's basically the same thing, but not as heavy on, um, there, there's certain things that just women do different. So we focus on tackling some of the things that women have a difficult time with, but don't really want to talk about. So an example of that would be, um, we do a night hike, getting to your tree stand before the sun comes up is extremely important. Okay. Well, I know that a lot of times me, me, I was one of them. I didn't want to walk to my tree stand in the dark. Okay. Especially when we lived in Montana, I mean, there was bears and all kinds of stuff around, but, but I was afraid of getting lost. I was afraid I might trip and fall or, you know, all of those kinds of things. And so, um, and then in the evening, you know, you know how it is in the evening when you're sitting in your tree stand and the owls start to hoot and the coyotes come out and everything else. And you're like, Ooh, I'm getting out of here before they come (laughs) eat me. Well, there's a lot of times that that last five minutes is the time that you're going to get the shot at the buck. So you have to be able to sit it out and wait it out and leave in the dark. And so that is something we do at our women's empowerment camp is where we go on a night hike and we teach women, okay, here are some tricks in order to know how to get to your tree stand in the dark without a flashlight, without making a ton of noise and all those kinds of things. Because if you can sneak in, get set up in the dark, your chances of harvesting an animal in the first hour are way better. We could put this as like sneaking in, your kids are sleeping and you need to sneak to the kitchen to get a cup of coffee yeah. and not wake your kids up. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that that way. Or the kids are, you, they're in their room and all you want to do is get a snack in the kitchen. Just yeah, let's, let's associate that, the sneakiness and the safe and, and don't trip over the toys. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you're not going to go into the kitchen and slam the cupboard when you've got your snack because you're yeah, going to wake yeah. everybody up. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not going to go trampling through the woods, making all kinds of noise and clunking into trees and all kinds of stuff. Because the like you're saying, the deer are bedded. And, and hopefully where you've put your tree stand, it's in a place where it's maybe a, a bedding ground or it's a travel corridor or one of those things. And, but you very easily could wake up and the lights, uh, I say, wake up, but the sun comes up and you have deer around you already. And that's because you walked into their bedroom. That's what you want. And so we teach that we teach how to sneak in and how to be confident about it because, and there, you know, there's a lot of times when women won't even say that they're, you know, they'll make up every excuse in the world to their loved one, you know, if their husband's wanting them to go hunting or whatever, and they're, they're going to make up excuses and say, well, I have this to do or this to do or this to do or whatever, because they just don't want to be made fun of or feel insecure or any of those kinds of, we were at a show 
um, a trade show. We had some bows hanging on the side of the of our booth, and this couple comes up to us, and the woman's, you know, she comes to me and she says, you know, I love your show and I love that you get out there with your family and your boys, and I've really wanted to learn how to do this, but I don't even know where to start. And um, I said, well, that's no, no, yeah, everybody has to start somewhere. I mean, you you have to you have to jump off the ledge at some point and just start. But, you know, here are some things that we can talk about. Well, she reached over and she grabbed a bow and she grabbed it up and she grabbed it upside down. And her husband says to her, um, that's not right. You don't hold, you don't hold it like that. You turn it around like this, totally embarrassed her in front of me. Okay. Which again, I didn't care, but, um, but I said, it's okay. You know, no big deal. You know, you just hold it like this. Well, she didn't know how to hold the bow. So she, but what she did is she turned around and she put the bow back and she shut down. Okay. And so I caught her by herself. And the reason is, is because you can mess up all you want and no one is going to make you feel like an idiot. In fact, come here to mess up because if you don't mess up, you won't learn. That was a huge success. And that woman has harvested animals now and has come so far in her confidence level. It's not even funny. We get a lot of moms that come to our female programs, um, you know, in Nebraska, and I bet the same is for Iowa as well, is the moms are coming because maybe they're a single parent and, and they have that child coming to them and say, Hey, mom, I want to do this. I want to do shooting sports. I want to do hunting. You know, we see those, the moms that maybe either they're afraid of that because they didn't have, they don't want the child to get into it. Or on the other hand, I think we're seeing more and more is mom sees that that child wants to do it. And, you know, as a parent, you probably see this too, is if mom's doing it, uh, mom's got to buy into it a lot of times in the families for the family to do it. And so we have these single moms or even moms if of, you know, a normal household. I don't even know if normal is what we can say anymore. You can't even say normal. We have moms of any household that want to learn this because the child wants to do it. And so what advice do you have out there to to moms and what they can do to get to build that confidence or to get involved so that they can lead the hand to take the family outdoors, whether it's in hunting or shooting sports or any outdoor recreation. Absolutely. So number one is sign up for one of our camps, whether it be the women's empowerment camp, which is, we named it rise, which means reach, inspire, support, and empower. Okay. So that's an archery camp. And that is you're camping out, you're hands-on. If you don't have a bow, we'll outfit you with a bow. You know, you don't have to have anything except for your own clothes, but you are, you will learn so much in that class. And I have women that come from across the nation. Okay. So, and it's very inexpensive. It's not, it's not an expensive program. What is expensive is getting set up with all of your equipment. And, and we, like I said, there's ways that we can offer discounts with that. Um, I also have a faith and pheasant hunt that we do in Nebraska um, in the fall. And that's another great way to get introduced to shooting a shotgun and to doing bird hunting, which is bird hunting is a lot easier and a lot faster 
to pick up was wanting to help my child get involved in the outdoors. I'd start with that. I'd start with either turkey hunting or pheasant hunting because you can learn how to shoot a shotgun, go out and hunt a, a, a bird, come home and clean it and eat it all in the same day. Okay. You could, it's full circle. Squirrel and rabbit Squirrel, too, you know, rabbit, you know, little, I would small game. Small game. I would start with small game and, um, and, and it's interactive and it's more social and it's, it's fun. It's just fun. So I would absolutely start there. Then I would maybe move into the arch and I would say, join our raised outdoors app. It is worth the $4 a month or $5 a month or it, because you got all of that information there. I'm not saying that because it's our company. I'm saying that because I know what's on it. Okay. It's going to give you the solid, trusted information that you need. I will tell you a story. So as a mom, I can, I can participate with my kids or I can sit on the sideline. And what I mean by that is that I can be the soccer mom that goes and says, okay, let's buy you all this soccer equipment and everything. And I'll go and I'll take you to the game and I'll sit on the sideline and I'll cheer you on and I'll help and I'll do support you 100%. And it's all good. Okay, but I'm not the one that it, when I do that, I'm not the one that's on the field with them. I'm not the teammate that goes through all of the sweat and the practice and the learning and the, the good points and the low points. I'm not the one that's assisting in achieving, making a goal or doing any of that kind of stuff. When I am hunting with my children, we sit in the same tree stand. We are participating in the same thing together. So we're deciding where are we going hunting? Where are we gonna sit? We are watching deer together. We are shooting the animal together. We're, we're, we, are, we are experiencing it, we are the team. So the closeness and the bond that you create with your child is incredible because you, you are leading and you're teaching them and you're participating with them and you, you learn life lessons because you're gonna have successes and you're gonna have failures, and, but you're doing it with your child. And it's not something that's happening like in the household or something like that. It's you're, you're both in it together. And so I don't know anything else. I cannot think of anything else that's like that that you can do with your child. And for a mom to do it with their kid, that bond will be so strong forever, forever. It's the, it's hands down. I hope every woman does it. And like I said, now that I've learned about, you know, I was, I didn't do anything but archery hunt for 25 years. And then I went over to Nebraska and I talked my husband into going pheasant hunting because I wanted to learn how to shoot a shotgun, but I was shooting a shotgun that I, I, I had had an experience where I went turkey hunting and I missed a turkey at like six feet. How do you miss a turkey with a shotgun at six feet? And, and my husband said that to me, how do you miss a turkey with, you know, and I'm like, well, I really don't know, <laughs> but I did. So it's possible. And I'm sure I'm not the only person that's ever no. done it. I'm like, I'm <laughs> yep, it happens. Yeah. It happens again that same day. And so he said, what's going on here? And I said, and I would go home and I had this humongous bruise on my bicep. And what I learned when I went to Nebraska, what I learned is that that shotgun was so long for me, you know, it, and it was heavy. So it was dropping and it was so long for me that it was sliding. I couldn't get it in the, the, the way that I needed to get it to be in more of an aggressive stance. I was more in a defensive stance and it would knock me out. It, you know, it hurt and the whole thing. 
And so I decided I was going to take it upon myself to find a shotgun that fit me. And I tried a whole bunch of them. And I went over to a pheasant hunt in Nebraska, Clear Creek, Upland Game. And I asked the gentleman, we were shooting clays. And I said, here's my issue. Can you help me try different guns? Because I don't like it. So that is, that was a life-changing event. And I think that's a great place for women to start. Rabbits, squirrels, or pheasants. Karen, you hit on so many great topics. Put yourself out there in a place where you can learn with your child. What, what an amazing opportunity. I mean, I think we're always in this like, well, I'm the parent, therefore I'm right. And you will do this, right? And, and to, to level that playing field so that you're both or all of you are learning at the same time. It doesn't matter what your, your household makeup looks like. What an awesome experience. And then to then take it that next step that, you know, if you're lucky enough to still have grandparents on, on this planet that you can also go with them. Right. Uh, one of the most moving photos I've seen in, in some time was um, a granddaughter in her late twenties was out, duck hunting with her grandfather and he was in his mid eighties um, wow. and they were sharing a blind together. I don't think he even had a gun, but they were out there hunting together, just sharing that time. And, and um, I, I'm going to circle this back to COVID. I think with COVID we've, we've all realized how important time with our loved ones is and to have that in the hunting. And I'm going to expand it out to fishing. I think it, correlates pretty well. Um, just what an opportunity. Um, I personally am like counting down the minutes until spring is here. So I can grab my fishing pole and take the kids and we're out at the pond just because I'm, I'm so sick of being inside quite honestly. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a very good shed hunter as we've, uh, talked about on other podcasts, but, um, be before we wrap up here, I just wanted to to throw it back your way and see if there's any other info you wanted to, to leave them with. It's been such an engaging conversation. I love, love the, your point of view and, and thoughts um, that, that have come out today, but just wanted to see if you had anything else you'd like to add. You know, the one thing I would like to add is that hunting with your family is the best investment you'll ever make. 100%. You never are going to be perfect at it. It's practice, 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 and it's, you're always going to be learning. Things are always going to be changing, but the more you learn and the more you understand and see nature, the way God created it, it is so amazing. It is, it's just these animals and the, the ecosystem is just incredible. And we're a part of it. And I don't know how else, I don't know how I would experience that as intimately if, if we weren't hunting. I think it's something that not everybody is going to want to do it, you know, but I hope people go outdoors and get outdoors and then hike and, um, you know, kayak or bike, or do you know, whatever. It's just get outside, get, get, you know, get outside in nature because that's where our soul is renewed and recharged. If you're interested in hunting and that's something that you want to do and you want to nourish your family with that, look up raised hunting, look up raised outdoors and look at coming to one of our camps. So we also have, I will put in this plug if it's okay. Um, David and I wrote two books um, and they are, they're 
they're pretty dang good. If I do say so myself, as far as they're entertaining and they've got really good information in there, but, um, the, the information that you can find in our books is more personal. It's more intimate and it's not stuff that you're finding on TV. Okay. So, um, so you can get those books from our website or you can get them from Amazon. But um, one of them's called the, the second book is called the ultimate hunters handbook. And the first one is raised hunting adventures, um, true adventures of faith, family, and the outdoors. Well, I think you said it best with time spent with your family hunting is, is the best time you can spend. And um, on that note, I think we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up this week's podcast again to, to kind of sum up today. um, I guess I think Julia and I want to challenge our listeners to, to put on your face, put on your courage, put yourself out there, um, make it maybe your, your February resolution, your March resolution to try something new, sign up for a camp, go to a Becoming an Outdoor Woman weekend, do something um, and learn and, and remember how wonderful it is to, to feel that, that knowledge and that you've gained it and, and just kind of stepping up and then teach it to your kids. And then you look amazing, right? Like spend the time in the blind. Don't be afraid to fill your pockets full of fruit snacks. If that's what it (laughs) takes to get uh, an hour sitting in a blind or up on a blind or out in the woods, I can certainly say that I've done it. Uh, Julia has done it. We leave goldfish trails, whatever you got to do to, um, to get out there. Uh, we're going to challenge you to do it. And, and most importantly, we want to hear the story. So check in with us on Facebook, check in with us on Instagram, go to the escooutdoors.com website, leave us feedback. We love hearing what folks are up to. Julia, do you have anything you'd like to add? Thank you, Karen, for for joining us uh, for this episode. And yeah, and I agree with that whole uh, fruit snacks comment, but usually I'm the one that eats the fruit snacks. I don't I don't share. Thank you again, Karen, for joining us this week. Julia and I truly enjoyed our conversation. Uh, Listeners, thank you again for tuning into this week's episode of She Goes Outdoors. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram or the She Goes Outdoors website, which is sgooutdoors.com. Make sure to check in, find Karen's recording. We'll link all of the different camps, websites, and her books on our page. And as always, thank you for joining us. We will see you outdoors. Mm -hmm.